Hello, I'm Owen. Welcome to Wellspring Baptist Church Podcast. We're glad you're listening. For more information on all that's going on at Wellspring, please visit www.wellspringbaptistchurch.org. I hope this message is a blessing to you. Bibles this morning, and we're going to turn to Second Peter, Second Peter, uh, chapter three, and verse one. Second Peter, chapter three, and verse one. Paul says, Peter says, excuse me, this second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you, in both which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance, that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandments of us and the apostles of the Lord and Savior. Knowing this first, there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lusts and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. Peter tells us here the purpose why he writes this epistle. He writes this epistle to stir up our our minds by, by way of remembrance, by being mindful of what? By being mindful of the words of the scripture, of the word of God spoken in the Bible, the faithful Word of God, the life-giving, those springs of living water that we talked about, life-giving words of God, being mindful of them. But he warns, Peter warns, that there will be scoffers of this in the last days. I, I believe that we are in the last days. I also believe that the scoffers are here. And what they're saying, the scoffers are saying in a sense is, you know, things will continue as they always have. There'll always be the cycles. There'll, you know, there'll be the rise and fall of governments. It's always going to be the same. Nothing's going to change. History will repeat itself. In essence, the scoffers are saying is God's word is not true. Where is the promise of his coming? 
I mean, if you read the Bible and the New Testament uh, much at all, the one thing you know is the Lord has promised his return. Amen. That's one thing we can, we can remember and know for sure that he's promised that he's coming back. And the scoffers are saying, where is that promise if the Lord's return? They're questioning the promises of God in unbelief. And so the purpose of this message this morning is to stir up, our, stir up our minds by remembering the promises of God. God's promises will come to pass. God's word is true and faithful, enduring forever. The word of God endures forever. That's more than we can hope or think for the, even this earth. That God's word is faithful and true. As you go down this chapter, 2 Peter chapter 3, Come to verse 9. Verse 9, the Bible says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promises. As some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Peter is saying, I want to stir up your minds. Although the scoffers will come, Although there will be those that doubt the word of God and doubt the return of Jesus Christ, he says, God is not slack concerning his promises. The one thing that you can believe in is the promises of God, the truth of God. This is something that you can hold on to, that you can grab on and believe the faithfulness of God. The faithfulness of God, the promises of God, but also the long-suffering. Of God, He is long-suffering and merciful. Yes, He's coming back, but He's so long-suffering that He's patient. He is patient to those who have not believed, to those who have not received His Word. Patient toward the lost. Why? That they can come to repentance. That they can have a change of heart and mind to believe on the Lord. That they can turn from the way that they were going. Paul preaching uh, reminding uh, the, the believers at Ephesus what he preached in Ephesus, said this. He said, testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord's long-suffering toward the lost. Why? So that they can repentance toward God. Just so they can turn toward God and put their faith in Jesus Christ. But because of God's long-suffering and mercy... That does not mean that he will not keep his promise to, re to return. He will. He will. And remembering these things and putting these things into, and into our mind will stir us up. Will encourage us. The promises of God will encourage us. Matter of fact, so Peter, Peter says this is the purpose of this letter, this epistle. So let's see how he starts. Back in chapter 1 of 2 Peter, he starts like this. Chapter 1 of 2 Peter. Let's just begin in verse 3. Peter says, According as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life, and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue. Verse 4. Whereby are given unto us exceeding 
great and precious promises that by these we might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in, this, in the world through lust. Peter says, I want to remind you, I want to stir up your minds by reminding you that God has given to us, those that have been born again, those that have put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, God's given to us all that we need to grow as a believer, to grow, to be, have victory in this life as a Christian, to be able to live for him, to be able to live a life that glorifies God. And by the way, I believe this is why we were created. This is our purpose, to be able to live a life, to glorify and honor God. He's given us what we need, and he has given us exceeding great and precious promises. <laughs> and I thought about that. Why are they so great? They're so great because of who gave them. <laughs> the promises are so great because only God could give these type of promises, eternal promises, promises that we as humans could not make, that we could not give. In other words, we are slack, but he is not slack concerning his promises. On all the promises that God has made, he is able to do it. He is able to perform it. That's why they're great. They're eternal. They're great. They're, uh, they're precious. They're precious. And, and I thought about that. That's priceless. I mean, you couldn't buy it. The promises of God are so precious. Why? Because they're so valuable. Because they're so priceless. And that's a word, actually, that Peter uses multiple times in both of his left first and second Peter is precious. And I thought that was interesting how he uses that word precious throughout. Um, he, he says in first Peter that the trial of our faith, meaning the testing or the, the, the temptations that we go through, the trying of our faith is, is, is much more precious than gold. And then he says that perishing. He's always putting a value on these things like the eternal versus the temporal. And, and when he puts a value on our faith, he puts it as precious and gold as perishing. If you kind of get, get his value system. On how when he says something's precious, it's something that is uh, something that you and I couldn't purchase. It had to be given to us by God. You know, we, he goes on to say in that first Peter that we are redeemed. We sang the song redeemed this morning. He said that we're redeemed not by corruptible things. And then he gives examples of corruptible things, silver and gold, he says, but with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. So he says, hey, silver and gold, as some in the world may think that's a hard asset. You know what he said? No, no, that's uh, that's perishing. With the blood of Jesus Christ and the faith of the saints, these are things that are precious. He goes on to say in, 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 in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 6 that Jesus Christ is precious. 
<laughs> I, I didn't even, some of these things I didn't even think of. He's saying, tis so sweet, you know. He's so sweet to the believer. Jesus Christ is so sweet to us. Why? Because of the precious promises and the blessings that he's given us. He says the same thing about Christ in verse 7 of chapter, 1 Peter chapter 2. That he is precious. Jesus Christ is precious. So again, he uses these words precious over and over to show us the difference between things that are corruptible and temporal and things that are precious, things that are lasting. And you know what he says? God's promises to God's people are precious. They're precious. You know, I was thinking about God's promises and God is a God of promises. Ever since the beginning, you go to Genesis, right from the very beginning, God was making promises to his people. He would, I was thinking about uh, Noah and his descendants. You know what God did for them? He promised them that he would never flood the world again, didn't he? He promised to them, hey, I'm never going to flood the world, worldwide flood again. And he says, you know what I'll do? I'll give you a sign. He said, I'll, I'll give you a token, is what he said, of my promise. A rainbow across the sky. And when you see that, you know what you know? That God is faithful. That God is faithful. Faithful to his promise. And he's merciful and kind. I, I think that's good to... Uh, for us to look for the rainbows and to be able to take the rainbow. And when you see the rainbow, you say, what's it mean to me? It means it's a time to thank God for his promises and his faithfulness to me. You know, I got to thinking about that. It had never rained before. And after it rained, the first time it rained, it rained for 40 days and 40 nights. The world was flooded. So for Noah and his descendants, um, Rain would be kind of a scary thing. I guarantee if God had not made a promise to them, next time it rained, they would have headed for the hills. There would have been a lot of anxiety without the promise of the rainbow. When it started to rain, thinking, oh no, here we go again, right? It, it, the whole world will be flooded. But they had the promises of God. Some of the most powerful promises in in Genesis, and the greatest is to Abraham and to Sarah, where God promises to them. In Genesis chapter 22, verse 17, God promises, he says, that in blessing I will bless thee, and in multiplying I will multiply thy seed as the stars of heaven, and as the sand which is by the seashore, and thy seed shall possess the gates of his enemies. You know, God is a God of promises, but you know what? He's also a God of big promises. <laughs> These aren't little promises when God makes promises. These are big promises. Again, only he can do it. That's why they're precious and exceeding great. And he says to Abraham and Sarah, you know what he promised them? He promised them a child in their old, old age. And God kept his promise. That happened. They did have a child in their old age. And then, after that, he promises them a multitude of descendants. When they only had one child, 
He promises them a multitude of descendants, like the stars of the sky, like the sand which is by the seashore, innumerable. Think about that. Have you ever, I know you have, just sat and looked up into the stars and how vast they are. God did that. God did that. And the sand is by the seashore. You ever think about that? You're on the beach and looking over at the vast ocean and the sand that's there. That's God's handiwork. And he did that as a promise. I don't know if Abraham... And Sarah, this was a, a long life that they lived where these things weren't always coming to pass. All they had to hang on to was the promise for a long time. No results, just the promise. And so I guarantee that there was times where Abraham and Sarah would have gotten a little discouraged, especially if there was scoffers saying, this is never going to happen. This could never happen. But God did something for them. You know what he did? He painted them a picture. The stars in the sky was a seal, was a token of his evidence that he would keep his promise. In other words, you know, you start thinking about it. I don't know if you ever get out there and just, wow. And you know what I would think when you get out there and start looking at the stars? If God can do that, <laughs> then he can keep his promises to me. If God can do that, then he can keep his promises to me. If he can put the sand which is by the seashore. I thought it was also interesting that not only did God give him a picture, uh, but he gave him a picture that was good for during the day. If you ever got discouraged, just go on down to the seashore. Start looking at the sand, kicking it around, thinking, well, there's a lot here, right? But then at night, you can't see the sand so well. So you know what he had to look at? He had to look at the, he had to look at the stars. God gave him and Sarah something to look at, to remind them that he is faithful, that his promises are true, that he will, he will keep his promise. Look, look turn, turn in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 11 now. Hebrews chapter 11. You know what God wants us to do with his promises? Now, he's made the promises to us. But there's something that he wants in return. God wants us to believe him. He wants us to trust him. And can I tell you, there is a world of difference. I mean a world of difference in believing them and not believing them. It changes everything changes your everyday, your perspective, your heart, your mind, your spirit, your soul, changes everything. And so he's made the promises. What he wants from us is to believe them, to take them as our own, to hold on to them, to know them, and to claim them. Hebrews chapter 11, still talking about Abraham and Sarah, says in verse 9, by faith, he sojourned in a land of promise, Abraham, as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same grace. For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker 
is God. By the way, we've been promised a land too, haven't we? We've been promised a land uh, and a city. And let me tell you about the city, New Jerusalem, that you and I have been promised as believers. It's a great builder. We have a promise of a great builder built by the Lord Jesus Christ. He says in verse 12. No, verse 11. I didn't read that. He says, through faith also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age. Look at this. Because she judged him faithful who had promised. Sarah made a judgment in her mind. God promised something to her. And you know what she had to do in her mind? She had to make a decision, a judgment. Is he faithful? Is he able? Will he keep his promise to me? The Bible says in verse 12, Therefore sprang there even of one, and him as good as dead, so many as the stars of the sky in multitude, and as the sand which is by the seashore innumerable. These all died in faith, not having received the promise, but having seen them afar off, and were what? Persuaded of them, and embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. <laughs> I think that's great. Sarah received strength. How? By faith. She made a judgment in her mind that God was faithful, that he was able to perform what he had promised. And the Bible says that they saw those promises afar off. How do you see the promise before it happens? How do you see the promises afar off? By faith. By faith. And not just did they see them. The Bible says that they were persuaded in them. And again, it's a world of difference between being persuaded in the promises of God and unbelief in his promises. All right, some more scripture on this. Same uh, Romans, Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4. Got a lot of scripture uh, to read this morning, but I guess that's why you're in church, right? <laughs> Romans chapter 4. In verse 13, I think it's so interesting to read the account of what happened and how it happened with Abraham and Sarah in Genesis, but then to see how the Holy Spirit uh, uh, sees it and brings it out in the New Testament, for instance, in Romans and in Hebrews. And so Romans chapter 4, in verse 13, the Bible says this, for the promise that he should be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. For if they which are of the law be heirs, faith is made void, and the promise made of none effect. Because the law worketh wrath, and where, uh, for where no law is, there's no transgression. And then here's that key word that I point out that we watch for, verse 16, therefore, it is of faith that it might be by grace, to the end that the promise might be sure to all the seed, not to that only which is of the law, but that to that also which is of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. 
as it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations before him whom he believed, even God, who quickeneth the dead and calleth those things which be not as though they were, who against hope, believed in hope. <laughs> I like that. It's like, there's no possibility, Abraham, that you and Sarah at this age can have a child. But God promised. So he, against hope, believed in hope. That he might become the father of many nations, according to that, to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. And being not, what? Weak in faith. He considered not his own body now dead. When he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb, he, look at this, staggered not at the promises of God through unbelief. I keep making that point. There's a world of difference between uh, being strong in faith and not staggering at the promises of God and being in unbelief to the promises of God. He says he staggered not at the promises of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God and being fully persuaded that he, that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. What God had promised, Abraham and Sarah believed, fully persuaded, fully believed that what God had promised, he could do. He can perform it. If God said it, he can do it. And therefore, it was imputed unto him for righteousness. Now, it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him, but for us also, to whom it shall be imputed. If we believe on him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead. Wow. Walking, walking in faith, walking in trust of the promises of God brings us to victory, fully persuaded. He says, you know what? This wasn't just for Abraham and Sarah. No, this was for, this was for us. This is for you. This is for us today. And the promises that we've received of the New Testament and the blessings of the New Testament and all that that entails, which is a lot, is given to us by Jesus Christ who was promised. And God performed it. The Bible tells us in Galatians chapter 3 and verse 13, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is every one that hangeth on the tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles. How? How can you and I have these blessings? Through Jesus Christ. That we might receive what? The promise of the Spirit through faith. How are we going to receive that promise of the Holy Spirit? By faith in Jesus Christ. Verse 22 of that chapter says, But the Scripture hath concluded all under sin, that the promise by faith of Jesus Christ might be given unto them that believe. You know what he says? Hey, the Lord has given us Jesus Christ so that all the promises of all spiritual blessings can be uh, received, can be believed in and through Jesus Christ by faith. Paul says the same thing almost to both Timothy and Titus when he starts his letters. Uh, he says to Timothy, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, according to the promise of life, which is in Christ 
Jesus. He said, you want this great promise, this promise of life, Timothy, this promise of eternal life and the hope of the resurrection. How is that? How does that come about? Through Jesus Christ. He says the same to Titus. He says, in the hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. The promises of God for eternal life. The promises of God for life are through Jesus Christ for us. I, I go back to what I said earlier. God is a God of promises. And for you and I today, here and now, at this moment and this time, I would say this, that his promises are better and complete in Jesus Christ than what Abraham and Sarah could experience in the Old Testament. You say, what do you mean by that? Well, the book of Hebrews is kind of written uh, to make that point, that all the things that we have now in, in this day and age since Christ died and rose from the dead and ascended into heaven, all that we have now in this new covenant, in this new testament, is better. A better mediator, a better priest, a better sacrifice, a better tabernacle, a better all these things that they had in the Old Testament, we have now through Jesus Christ better. He, oh, here's one verse that kind of sums what up, up what I'm saying, Hebrews 8, 6. It says, but now hath he, Christ, obtained a more excellent ministry by how much also he is the mediator of a better covenant, which was established upon what? Better promises. <laughs> I think sometimes Christians don't even realize how good we got it. Some, some would say, man, if I had it as good as Abraham and Sarah, you do. It's better. Just receive it. It's there. It's given. He's promised these covenants through the New Testament. It's a better promise. I guess this is the purpose. This is the purpose of this message is to stir up our minds to remember the promises of God. Again, Peter, I started this. Peter said, they're found in these words in the Bible, written in the scripture, that this promise of the indwelling spirit, that we'd be sealed by the Holy Spirit till the day of redemption, he'd never leave us nor forsake us, that we have complete salvation, that we've escaped the corruption that is in this world, that we have forgiveness of sins, that we have eternal life through Jesus Christ. And you know, you could say, yeah, but I want, a, I want a token of it. I want, a, I want a picture of it. See, Abraham and Sarah got a picture. They got to look up into the stars and, and see, see God's promises in the sand, which is by the seashore. I would say that that was Peter's point, is that the word of God is our token. This, this keeps all our promises. Some of you may be thinking, well, if the Bible had more pictures, well, then, then I would read it more, right? <laughs> I think sometimes that's how we judge it, whether we really want to dive into a book or not. That is the uh, ratio between pictures and words, right? Sometimes we want the big pictures and little words at the bottom. But God has given us his, his word. And in it, as we open it, as we open it, can I tell you this book? The Word of God is full of promises for you. 
full of promises for you. That'll stir you up. That'll encourage you in the life that we have to live here on earth to glorify God. And so what would we do? We would open up God's word. We would read them. We would receive them. We would become fully persuaded in his words, in his promises. You know, when you read it, when you read the promises of God found in this, in this his word, you have to make a choice. You have to make a decision like Sarah did. You know what she had to do? She had to judge. Is he able to perform it? God made this promise to me, but is he able to do it? Is he going to keep his promises to me? You have to make that choice. You have to think that through. And, and then I believe the ones that are persuaded in his promises, the ones that believe it, the ones that receive it and hold on to it, that's where, that's where the joy comes from. That's where, that's where we can have that hope and even hope against hope when there is no hope to still believe and still trust in the Lord. He is able to perform it. You know, God has offered to all salvation free to whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. He has made a promise that if you ask, that if you ask, that he will give. That's a promise of God. A promise that he is not slack concerning his promise, but long-suffering, calling anyone and everyone to himself. He said, I have died for your sins. Christ died on the cross for our sins. He was buried, died, but rose again, proving Proving that he was God. Proving that he had victory over death. And you know what he has done now? He calls all to come to him. Come unto me. Would you believe in him? Would you today believe in him for salvation? To know that you have eternal life. He said if you will believe that he will give. And can I tell you? His promises are true. He will do that. For all who ask, for all who put their faith and trust in him, their heart and their mind agreeing to believe on the work of Jesus Christ. For all of us as Christians, we have these promises, but they won't do us any good if we don't stand on them, if we don't trust on them, if we don't believe them. There's an old devotional, um, C.H. Spurgeon had written, and he, he calls his devotional, daily, daily devotional, uh, Faith's Checkbook. I thought that was interesting. Faith's Checkbook. You know what the Bible is? You know what the Word of God is? It's, it's full of promises. It's full of promises. But you know what you have to do? You have to cash those checks. You have to take them in. I mean, just having a check is not good enough. You know what you got to do? You got to take it in and, and say, I want to draw on that account. God made this promise to me. God made this promise to me. Therefore, I need to believe it. I need to trust in it. God's, God's uh, checkbook to us. All the promises that he has made to us. I believe as we, as we find them, as we believe them, uh, they will stir us up. We started with the Lord is returning. That's one of the big promises that God has made. That he's coming back. And here's what I would say. 
And he is. And he will. He is able to perform that. And he will. But here's a real practical takeaway for all of us today. Would you take your Bible and kind of look at it now and think, in here are many great, exceeding great, and precious promises in here from God to me. I'm, gonna, I'm going to look for them. And then when I find them, I'm going to hold on to them. I'm going to trust them. I'm going to believe them. I'm going to, uh, with all my heart, be fully persuaded in God's promises to me. See if that doesn't make a world of difference. I believe it will. I believe it makes all the difference. It did for Abraham and Sarah, and it will for you and I. taking the time to listen today. We'd love to hear from you and learn how you've been encouraged or challenged by this podcast. Leave a comment on the Contact Us page on our website or write to us at 2094 East State Route 73, Waynesville, Ohio, 45068. And feel free to visit us if you're in the South Dayton, Ohio area.